Ladies and gentlemen, don't touch that dial. This is episode 36 of the Essential Wrestling Podcast. Al Carl is on assignment building ice sculptures, but I am here wearing a polo in his honor. John DeCani has a backwards hat. John Smith wearing glasses. It's like he's here. Uh, this faction of wrestling fans will never abandon you because it's Tuesday, and you know what that means. As mentioned, this is episode 36. It's our Boneyard match. Drew McIntyre defeating Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman subbing in for Roman Reigns episode. My name is Ryan Joy, and I am joined today by Mr. John Smith and John DeCani. We're going to take you through the week. Here are the headlines. Scrap Daddy Adam Pearce earns a Universal Championship match at the Royal Rumble. Alexa Bliss spits fire at Randy Orton in wake of Drew McIntyre's COVID-19 diagnosis. Ace Austin wins the Super X Cup. Gary Mahefia is here to talk about the number one contenders match from NXT UK. I'm here to discuss New Japan, MLW, Ring of Honor. Uh, I'm going to reveal number 12 on Al Carl's top 30 WrestleMania matches as we continue to count down to the showcase of the Immortals this March. Make sure you stay tuned to the end of the show to hear the details on how to win the Jim the Anvil Nightheart autograph picture, courtesy of Sideline Sports and WWE Memorabilia. We're going to make our picks for this week's upcoming shows, presented by Minutes to Bell Time and sponsored by Pro Wrestling Pick'em. But we're, we're going to main event the show with picking night two of New Year's Smash and Impact's Hard to Kill. But we will curtain jerk the show today with NXT and Finn Balor retaining the NXT Championship. <clears throat> so, let's start. J John Smith, Finn Balor defeated Kyle O'Reilly to, I'm sorry, John DeCani. Finn Balor defeated Kyle O'Reilly to retain the NXT title after O'Reilly tapped out to a, a abdominal stretch cross-face thing. Uh, take it away, John. So, uh, we have they only gave this match about 17 or 18 minutes, which, uh, as we know, it's already been a main event. It could have probably gone for 45, uh, but they loaded it up with psychology, which I'm always a big fan of. Uh, we had uh, Kyle O'Reilly making a couple of attempts early on at kicks and other strikes to that previously broken jaw of Finn Balor. Uh, we had, uh, had O'Reilly uh, getting put in an abdominal stretch early on, and uh, Finn kind of got his receipt, if you will, for the broken jaw when O'Reilly broke the abdominal stretch by biting the ring, uh, the ring ropes, excuse me. And Finn went uh, on to kick him into the ring ropes, and uh, O'Reilly would then be favoring his jaw for the rest of the match. Uh, so, uh, and then O'Reilly would work on uh, the arm, uh, kicking at the, uh, the liver like last time, uh, wind up hurting uh, Finn's arm. Uh, he would uh, go for an arm bar uh, transition, flipping around to the good arm. He was working on the bad arm. Uh, Finn was in trouble for a little while there until uh, Kyle charged, and Finn hit him with a wicked liver shot. Uh, Kyle kind of crumbled and uh, backed away, and then allowed uh, Finn to lock in that crucifix-style crossface and get the tap out win. Would you say better or worse than the takeover match? 
Uh, you know what? I wouldn't want to split hairs between the two of them. I think they were both fantastic. This one being a little bit shorter, but uh, no less intense, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, great match to finish off the show. Uh, another great match on the show was Raquel Gonzalez and Rhea Ripley. Uh, Raquel got a big W in that match, John DeGami. Yeah, this was the last woman standing match. Uh, we had about uh, five minutes of them uh, beating each other in, out, and around the ring. Uh, before Rhea would take a backdrop and unfortunately almost missed the announce desk. She kind of landed uh, high on her hip and uh, tailbone there, just enough to make the table explode the way it was supposed to, but uh, also just enough to make it look like, ooh, that was almost a really, really bad start. Uh, then Raquel would uh, cover her in the, uh, the table bits and some of the chairs, but uh, Rhea beat the 10 count there. Uh, they beat each other up some more. This you know, match was pretty, uh, very physical. What else would you expect between these two? At about the 10-minute mark, they made their way up the ramp. Uh, Raquel boot to knock Rhea off of the staging and tumbling down the steps and into the back area. Uh, Rhea tackled Raquel through a glass door. Uh, Rhea would eventually hit a senton off of the locker room, uh, off the lockers, uh, stage backstage and through a catering table. This is when Dakota would get involved. She appeared out of nowhere with a kendo stick, but, uh, Rhea would take care of her in fairly short order and wound up locking her in a locker. Uh, they made their way, ladies made their way back out to the top of the ramp where, uh, Rhea sunk in a, uh, standing cloverleaf. Uh, with aid from a steel chair to uh, create something of a crossface effect. Raquel eventually got out of it. Uh, Rhea hit uh, Rhea, uh, hit a almost kind of a, a Death Valley driver into the LED board, but Raquel would eventually land that one-arm powerbomb off of uh, half of the ring steps that had made their way up the ramp through a gimmick section of staging and uh, you know th uh, through the floor. And Raquel would crawl out just in time to beat a 10 count for the victory. NXT does a great last person standing match. Um, but John Smith is Dakota Kai still in the locker? Uh, word is that they, they didn't even know which locker she was in. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, some, of, some of your favorites were, were also, also had matches on New Year's Evil. Karrion Cross getting a win over Damian Priest. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge Cross fan, and, you know, this was the perfect, you know, reintroduction of Cross back into the into the, into the the main, main main spotlight. You know, Priest, with his, um, with his track record, gives Cross some immediate credibility back in the fold of everything, uh, especially considering he had that clavicle injury. You know, all of his strength is still there. You can see him dominating Priest all match. You know, Priest probably had the upper hand 20% of the match. That's about it, of a 15-minute match. It was just, you know, getting beat up all over the place and then a nice little forearm to the back of the head finish. I haven't seen that from Cross before, but it looks like he's using the, uh, the Doomsday Saito as a setup to that now instead of just pinning people off of it, or one would assume. I know that they like to do, you know, off-brand finishes in NXT sometimes where you don't necessarily have to hit your finish to win, but I think this is leading towards it like that's his new finish, which is pretty cool, but I mean, I like the Saido, but it wasn't 
high impact as much as it should be for a big guy. Yeah, Priest was a little overconfident in that match, right? Towards the end, he's like, I'm still standing, I'm still standing. Well, he wasn't for long, right? <laughs> yeah, and, uh, he didn't shut up. I don't know what that was all about. Maybe maybe he just wanted one last uh, hurrah before he goes up to the main roster because that's what we've been hearing. SpongeBob, who knows? But, uh, you know, this could be the last time we see Priest at least on a NXT pay-per-view. Setting. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now Santos Escobar and Grand Metalik had another had a uh, good match there earlier in the show. Uh, Santos Escobar retained the interim cruiserweight championship. Yeah, we uh, we actually went over this one also on on your podcast, and I was saying that this is exactly what Lucha Libre should be. You know, it doesn't need to be flip to flip to flip to flip to bounce, bounce, bounce all over the place. It doesn't have to be an acrobat show. You can. Do plenty of that and have a nice psychological match with some power moves involved. And this was the perfect combination of the two. And even when they botched uh, um, Escobar's foot kind of slipped on the ring apron on the skirt, but he still was able to hold Metalik when he hit the floor and still power bombed him and saved it. So, you know, they're still being safe in there and, you know, doing their thing. So I was real happy with this match. And I love, I love what Escobar's doing for that title. And I know people say he's the interim champion, but I think he's doing more for it than um, I forgot his name over in in UK, Devlin, right? Yeah, Jordan Devlin. Yeah, yeah Jordan Devlin. I think he's doing more for the title than Devlin ever could have. Mm. Well, I think it'll, obviously when we get to the ladder match sometime down the down the road, I think we'll see what they both can do. So, also on the show show we had Zia Lee returning to action. Uh, and she faced inaction, and she's back. And she's got a mysterious figure on the ramp supporting her. Look, total new look. Not somebody you want to get in get in the way of. Uh, Timothy Thatcher suffered a minor injury training for the fight pit, I guess, and so that match got postponed. Uh, Gargano's arrived by police escort to NXT. Um, we had a mixed tag match: Kushida and Shotzi. Uh, got the win over Johnny and Candice after Kushida rolled up Johnny. Um, and then we also, Mr. Regal, let us know that there is going to be a woman, women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Classic. And John Smith, you and I actually uh, discussed this on the Daily Wrestling News show last week. Um, you threw out some names of tag teams that you think might be uh, in the women's tag team classic. And John DeConnie, I'm going to put you on the spot. You were not forewarned. Who do you think? Is going to be in the women's tag team classic. Any women's teams come to mind? Okay, well, obviously you're going to have Casey and Caden. Um, you probably see uh, Anderson Indy. Jeez, uh, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see Zaya in there. I don't know who her uh, tag team partner would be, but uh, I just, I just know that the women in NXT. I, I'm, you know. I don't always have the most positive things to say about women's wrestling throughout all the brands, but I I can't remember the last time I had a bad thing to say about uh, the NXT women's uh, roster. So it's just going to be fantastic no matter what. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, we do have some of uh, the men's tag team classic tough classics uh, matches that are going to be this week. We'll get to them in a second, but first we want to take a take a look at how we're doing in the standings for NXT. John Smith still way out in the lead in terms of predictive ability here. Uh, 
31 and nine, but all of us went four and oh, except for Mr. Tyler Adele, but the rest of us all went four and oh, um, with New Year's Evil predictions. So I guess we called that one right down the right down the line. Yeah. Here's your former Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Tournament winners. Last year was the Broserweights. Before that, Black and Ricochet. Undisputed Era, Authors of Pain, Finn Balor, and Samoa Joe. Most of these guys are still in NXT, uh, with the exception of Samoa Joe and uh, Matt Riddle, I guess. Or, or Unemployed, I guess, is the other option. But... Uh, <laughs> So uh, this starting this week, we have two matches for the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. And John Smith, I'll start with you. Who do you like in the Grizzled Young Veterans and Ever Rise match? Well, as we all know, Ever Rise rules. And I would love <laughs> to pick them in this match, but I really like the Grizzled Young Veterans. I think this is this is what's catapulting them to those tag titles next. And they're, I, I already called that they're going to win this whole thing. So I got to go with them here. Yeah. That makes sense. Don't you think John the County? Yeah, it definitely looks like uh, yeah, it's, it's almost the grizzled young veterans tournament to lose. Yeah. The way they yeah. seem to be uh, in front and center. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think GYV's probably got this whole tournament. Luckily, we don't have to pick that today, but what we do have to pick is the Undisputed Era and Brazango match, which I think is a bit more competitive. John, John DeCani, I'll start with you on this one. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I don't want to call it an upset if Brazango were to win, but I, I think uh, the thinking is probably that the Undisputed Era takes it here. And I do think that there'll be some kind of upset in the first round, but I think I'm going to save that for whoever's going up against Gargano in theory, because I think we'll we'll have a little uh, a callback to the curse and have them knocked out in the first round. So give me the uh, Undisputed Era here. Okay. Okay, John Smith? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Undisputed Era also, um, especially because it's most likely a four-round tournament. We know 12 teams are in there, so it's probably a 16-team tournament. So I feel like they, they got to go – couple rounds and then lose it. The only thing I don't like about that is what's Breezango going to be doing for the next five weeks then? Are we not going to be seeing them at all? You know, I, I prefer to see them on the TV more than more undisputed era, which we've had a lot of in the past few years, but we get what we get. I trust triple H in the end. There you go. Maybe we get uh Brizango facing Oni and Danny for the next six weeks or whatever. Yeah, that'd be nice. Okay with that. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for NXT and New Year's Evil and this week's NXT. We're going to uh, give you guys an early break today, send you backstage. We'll get you back and you'll be here for the rest of the show. So um, let me bring in Gary and you guys will go get your groceries, John Smith. Yeah, <laughs> you know it. That's what I was going to say, getting my groceries. <laughs> All right. Gary, welcome aboard. Good evening. Well, it was going okay until John Smith said Santos Escobar was doing more than for the cruiserweight title and Jordan Devlin ever could. I was like, I think if we have another Worlds Collide type pay per view, John and I will have to have like a virtual arm wrestling contest or something. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, just that guy know that John. <laughs> <laughs> um, he does a good job predicting, but I guess he's not a no Jordan Devlin fan. <laughs> so. Uh, a great episode of NXT UK this week. Um, 
we have a killer one coming up next week, and we'll get to those matches in a minute. But first things first, a number one contenders match between Ginny and Piper Niven uh, to kick off NXT UK last week. Yeah, I mean, I was, as I said, I was saying that last week that over the last sort of month or two, they really have threaded a few storylines in amongst each other. And, and the callback to, to Jenny Costin Piper, her match against Kelly Ray um, has been good. And as we said last week, I thought some sort of schmoz, and yes, there was, because obviously Joseph Connors had, had got himself involved and put himself in harm's way when, when Piper went to hit her, her somersault planchet, but um and, and Jenny got Jenny got the win with her roll up. But to to be fair, I I thought the, the either the smart money or the easy way to go would be to go with Piper. And why while I'm not I, I I prefer Piper over Jenny, let's say. Um yeah, it is a new match. It's an interesting way. It may still end up in a three way. Obviously with two heels going against each other at the moment as it is, but uh, it is an interesting way to go with it. Yeah, I mean, it, it does kind of seem like that might be a, a good idea. Keep keep Piper involved, and that way at least you have some sort of face in there. Otherwise, what's Piper going to be doing for the next yeah. few weeks? Um, ben Carter makes his debut on NXT UK last week, and he gets a little rub by being on the Supernova Sessions. The, the award-winning Supernova Sessions, obviously. The, <laughs> um, not ben, I mean, that's it. And you should not make, ben, you should put himself in matches, but <laughs> not Ben Carpenter, obviously. Um, honestly, <laughs> for anybody who hasn't seen it, anybody watching this, honestly, Noam Dar to me, I I wasn't as biggest. Well, I I liked him and thought right, okay, but the more I see of him doing this, he's just tremendous. And the build up he did, I'm I'm so pleased to have signed um, Ben Carter. I mean, he is amazing. Um, but to see him come in and have have the interaction with Noam Dar, and then in the middle of it for Jordan Devlin to come out and appear disgusted that he wasn't invited on over Ben Carter. But also I actually quite liked the fact it wasn't just, oh, we've got two heels here in Dar and Devlin, we just like each other. He didn't because Devlin was slagging off Noam Dar as well. So I actually loved that. Yeah. Um, but to build up... Um, them being there and they had the interaction which then led to the challenge being thrown out for the match in the main event that said Scala came out and, and okayed but it was it was great to see Ben Carter really being put over um, as a big deal and coming straight in and being involved in, in that scene with him so it was great Yeah it was, it was nice he comes in with this big interview scene and then you know he's already sparring off with, Dev, with Devlin right away um, Noam Dar, man like a good scale and move over. Noam Dar should be the new GM. <laughs> Noam, Noam Dar is great. I mean, there's there's a few wee things, a few wee phrases he says that he's taken from a few UK TV shows, and it's great because some people won't catch it, and I found myself just sitting in my front room laughing at the wee lines. It was absolutely brilliant. He's just, it was a really, really good, good, just a great wee moment. <laughs> now, some people might say that bringing Ben Carter in giving him that big pro, the big stage there with Supernova Sessions, and then having him lose in his first match might be kind of a rough way of uh, introducing him as a character. But what say you after that Jordan Devlin victory over Ben Ben Carter? It's funny because you and, I, you and I had that conversation when we both saw that the match was happening. It was like, oh, okay, 
right? Yeah. He's not going over here. What's going to happen? But it really was considering that he came in, and quite a lot of people in the UK may not the casual fan may not have known him. It was really a star-making performance. I mean, the things he did, the moves that he hit. I mean, the match that they had. I mean, it was a 13, 12, 13 minute match. Um, and they, I mean, the stuff that they pulled out, and it was good. There was a lot of good wrestling in it. But when he hit his big moves, like to be honest, I'm a big, I'm a big fan. Although it's risky, when he hit the 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 moonsault reverse DDT off the apron, I mean, I love that as a visual. I'm like, that looks class. <laughs> and it's all just built. And I know he missed the Phoenix Splash and stuff, but when you had that and Devlin hitting the Spanish fly and all the things that built up and built up and built up towards the end, that although he, he lost, you could you could not fail to watch it and go, you are amazing. You are going to be somebody here. And for, for the company to give you that match in your first day in, well, fair play, they must have big plans for you and think that you are a big deal. So it, it was brilliant to see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, put him in there with uh, the the other side of the whole equation, right? Is you put you put Carter in there immediately with one of your top talents, and the guy shines, which is how you want a guy to debut, whether he yeah. wins or loses. A lot of people, Rampage Brown, for example, come in do a squash as their debut. Carter's a smaller guy, so it doesn't necessarily make sense. But to show him to show off his moveset and everything in that match, I thought was great. The easy way, as we said, we said previously during the week, the easy way would have been to put him in with the Jack Stars or put him in with a Levi Muir, somebody who could be there to let him hit some of his moves and go, oh, aren't you good? But the fact that it wasn't, the fact that it was straight in and boom, straight right. straight up to the top guys. I mean, at this point, who hasn't beat Jack Stars, Saxon Oxley? <laughs> <laughs> Me, pretty much. I'm, I'm, a, I'm about the only person in the UK wrestling scene who hasn't, I think. But Well, no, Saxon Huxley has, a, has an L. <laughs> and uh, Saxon Huxley got another L when he faced Dave Mastiff on this episode uh, of NXT UK. Who, ironically, was set up because Big Dave was was standing up for Levi Muir and, and Jack Stars when Saxon Huxley had been beating them up. Yeah, I mean, it, it was good. They they do, obviously, um, it's been nice to see them build up Saxon Huxley actually and give him another another dimension, another side to him. Um, but they obviously do have, uh, they want to keep um, Dave Mastiff up and around the top um, echelon so that if, if we end up needing another sort of, two big boys match that if he and Walter if down the line if things happen that you've got him for that so they, they do like Dave and it, it was nice it was good it was a good convincing win so I don't care if you're Saxon Huxley Jack Stars a kid or whoever when Dave Mastiff is running at you in the corner and he does that cannonball <laughs> your instinct has to be to get the heck out of there <laughs> yeah that is a scary uh scary <laughs> position to be in but uh, we do have, uh, we had a, a video package of Tyler Bate talking about how he was learning from his his losses and everything like that with a lost a kid. Um, and it kind of set up, you know, Sam Gradwell was giving him a little bit of side eye. Uh, and that set up this match for next week. Um, what do you think? I mean, I, I, I don't I mean, see any circumstance where Tyler Bate doesn't win this one, but... Yeah, no, I mean I agree. I will say one thing. I do, I do just want to say and give props to a lot of those backstage stuff. They, the stuff with Tyler Bate, the stuff that they did with Dragonov, 
those videos have been immense. They've been really, really good. Whoever is putting them together visually as well as what's being spoken about is fantastic. But as you say, um, I was pleased to see when Tyler Bate was talking, I thought, well, okay, they're just keeping them in there. But then when the match was made and, and with Sam Grabwell, as you say, there's no way that Tyler Bate doesn't win it. Um, but again, it's just, it's keeping him in. It's bringing him back and slowly but surely bringing him back into the mix. So, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think just the fact that he's on the card next week kind of elevates the card. Yeah. Um, it turns out you and me and uh, Al, we're not the only ones that get our, our big Noam Dar fans. Yeah. Uh, Travis is one of the co-hosts of the Daily Wrestling News Show. He is also a fan of Noam Dar. Um, Godlike, actually. I, I thought that was Noam will have to put that to his list of things for 2021 then. He has his <laughs> list of things he wanted to be. There he is. He's, he's become a deity now as well, so he's all right. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then I guess the big news for NXT UK next week mm -hmm. is our our NXT UK championship match, the big guy Walter against the Heritage Cup winner, A-Kid. Nobody's wrestled yet in 2021. Um, obviously, the 2020 record is better than 0-0, but 2021, they're 0-0. So um, A-Kid's got a big push. He really has. I mean, I, I genuinely can't wait for this match. I um, There's some matches when I hear they're happening, I'm like, brilliant. And I heard this one when I remembered it was next week. It was like, oh, yes, I can't wait because it should be absolutely amazing. But it is one of those ones where you kind of go, okay, Walter has to win. But then you think, well, that kid's getting that push and he needs to keep his momentum. He has to win. But is he going to win the belt or what's it going to happen? Or will somebody from Imperium get involved? Will Alexander Wolf come back? And Because he hasn't been, he's kept quiet for the last few weeks or whatever. So maybe he'll come back and cost him. Probably is the way they'll go, um, but I really can't I can't wait for it. It is a match that everybody will need to go out of their way to see. I just uh, you know if a kid can just work in that what I call like a flying super kick. It's you know it's kind of like something out of Street Fighter or whatever. Uh, but uh, if he can work that in and, and Walter can kind of slap it away, I think that'd be. <laughs> <a great spot. laughs> yeah, I I mean overall I I pick Walter in this match, but. Not for lack of trying, you know. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, it really will. All right. Well, that's uh, that's pretty much it, Gary. Any anything else on your mind before we leave the UK scene here? No, I, mean, I I'm just there's part of me is very biased. Every time I watch an NXT UK episode and there's anything with Eva Valkyrie on it, I have to say I'm just biased because obviously I've seen her since about her third match, I think, in in the ring at all. Um. But again, even even the like of that, the, the stuff that they are doing in NXT UK to keep other little storylines going, that all of a sudden, three weeks later, pay off something that's just happened. It's very, it's been very well laid out, and it's a very very good hour. So if you haven't been watching it, if anybody watching this has not seen it, you need to to look it out. It is well worth an hour of your time. Yeah, the show is put together so well. You were mentioning the video packages; those have been really, really top-notch and telling the stories. The AFA Valkyrie video package was really cool visuals. Um, it's just very tight, well-produced show, yeah. and you know they pack a lot. And I'll tell you what, Nigel McGinnis and um, oh. Andy—very—they're uh, a great team, great commentary. Yeah. They really, really are. I have to say, I'm a big. I've always liked Nigel on commentary, but he he really he, he brings a lot to the show. And Andy Shepard's quite underrated too, but but Nigel really does bring a lot to it. 
it was funny. Andy Shepard starts as a ring announcer, and I've you know when they went into into the COVID era, and he was hosting all those like little um, NXT UK one hour specials of tell me your favorite match type of thing. Yeah. He kind of I think endured him, endeared himself to the audience, and now he's a commentator. So and he does he does a great job. They really do a good job telling the story each week. Yeah. All right, Gary. Well, um, we'll bid you adieu. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yes, catch you next week. We'll bring back in the guys. John Smith back from his groceries. And let me uh, let me take off that background there. I wasn't I wasn't talking bad Jordan Devlin. It was more of a before when I said that that uh, Escobar is doing more than Jordan Devlin ever could. It was more. It wasn't a Gary's um, <laughs> like yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> It was more. It was more about uh, like what he's doing with the title and what like what his character is doing, not what he could do in the ring. Of course, Devlin's awesome in the ring. I wasn't trying to discredit him there, but I just don't want Gary Heffy to come over to the states and beat me up. Yeah, no, he told me on the side he hates you now. I I, I don't know. I know. <laughs> I mean, here here's the thing: you've got Jordan Devlin who is fantastic in that weight class. And then you've got Santos Escobar, who is doing exactly what he you know, claims to be doing. It's representing a whole tradition of Lucha Libre. And I don't think that we as wrestling fans are getting a disservice at all by having these two guys represent that weight class. Down the road, we're going to get something great from those two. Absolutely. I, I always say I feel like if Jinder Mahal had, had Escobar's, you know, persona and you know just way of being in the ring i think he would have he would still be champion once in a while now you know the cruiserweight champion or no no world champion i'm saying jinder mahal (laughs) i know i know i don't think he fits the cruiserweight weight class but anyway i i digress but we we do need to talk about world champions and we're going to move over to smackdown now and talk through that um roman reigns kicked off the show blasting Adam Pierce for what happened with uh, Kevin Owens getting a match last week. Uh, he almost attacked Adam Pierce, but he backed off when Paul Heyman kind of calmed him down a bit. Um, we have a gauntlet match for, for SmackDown. It's kind of the key attraction of SmackDown. And Heyman pulled some strings to get Mr. Pierce added to the match. And John DeConi, break it down for us. We had some top names in this gauntlet match. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we started off with a match between uh, Rey Mysterio and Sami Zayn. Uh, unfortunately, I now for say this could have been a great spot. You know, he's he's very upset about losing the Intercontinental title, but this could have been his road to a Universal Title shot. Uh, but he had his uh, he had his uh, filming with him because he's filming the conspiracy because he's still upset about that intercontinental title loss. Uh, and unfortunately, he distracted himself all the way down to the ring because he wouldn't shut up. And this allowed Ray to hit an almost immediate 619 and frog splash for about a 30-second win and knock him out really before he could even get uh, his uh, Che Guevara hat off. Uh, so then uh, Shinsuke Nakamura would be next up for Ray Ray. And uh, they had a, a nice but uh, if short match where uh, Shinsuke would eventually uh, get Ray to tap to an armbar submission. Uh, and then Shinsuke uh, was, you know, uh, was about to get on a roll, but not before Corbin, who was next up, came in and 
decided to attack a downed ray. And we went to commercial, and by the time we came back, uh, it was uh, into the Shin and Corbin match. Uh, Shin with Corbin into the corner. Corbin will slide out, slide back in routine. Unfortunately, he slid back in to knee to face uh, Kinshasa for the win. Uh, next up for Nakamura would be Daniel Bryan. Here's a dream match for you that unfortunately didn't, you know, time we all would have loved to see it get. Uh, but Bryan got a little bit of a roll, hit two of his uh, corner-to-corner running drop kicks, but went to the well one too many times, and in the middle of the third one, caught the Kinshasa, and uh, Shinsuke uh, got the win there. So now the music hits, and the head of the table appears on the top of the ramp. He accompanies uh, his boy Postman Pierce down to the ring. Roman and Jay uh, Uso slide in and proceed to beat the holy hell out of Shinsuke Nakamura. And then Roman slides back out uh, to convince a hesitant Pierce that he's getting in this match. Slides him in uh, just in time to, re- to meet a, uh, a super kick uh, and which knocks Pierce out almost immediately. And then he is dragged on top of Nakamura for the win. So I guess Roman's going to really, even though he seemed to pardon him, uh, he's going to get his uh, revenge at the Royal Rumble where Adam Pierce will face Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. Former NWA champion, let's give the man his credit. Where Three time, I believe. <laughs> Three time, okay. 100%, well, yes. I'll, put the, I'll put you on the spot. We have a whole Royal Rumble special coming up, and we'll talk about that at the end of the show, but I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Who do you got, Pierce or Roman Reigns? Ooh, this one's going to be rough. I think the head of the table finds a way to squeak. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. I think that's going to happen. And in recent memory, John Smith, our predictions have all kind of been one and the same. Are, are you going to go against the green here? Is Adam Pierce going to be universal champion? No, like, I can't see them doing this even from like any sort of storyline booking perspective. Like nobody cares enough about Adam Pierce to care that he was, you know, given the championship. You know, it's not like when Vince won it. Or even when David Arquette won it in WCW, at least he was he was relevant in some sort of way in pop culture, you know? I mean, the one thing that I'll say after watching this is that it feels like after watching that long gauntlet match, I wanted Shinsuke Nakamura to wrestle Roman Reigns. And, you know, hopefully that's a setup that we're going to get at some point down the road. Um, because it, getting wins over Rey Mysterio and Daniel Bryan as the two top baby faces on SmackDown, along with King Corbin, which is probably the number three heel on SmackDown. Um, that's, that's no small feat for Shinsuke to do in one night when he only won two matches in 2020. Yeah, Nakamura, Nakamura's been really getting the short end of the stick for a long time now, and I guess he's he's paid his dues. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, well, he may get some revenge because uh, – Next week, he faces main event Uso uh, in, in, uh, on SmackDown this coming week. So, uh, guys, John DeConi, I'll go with you since you, you laid out the gauntlet match for us. Uh, the next opponent in front of Shinsuke Nakamura is Jay Uso. Who do you got? Uh, 
this is a tough one. I'm not sure if uh, if Roman's there. I think maybe he finds a way to help Jay to win, but I'm going to go with this being straight up one-on-one, and Shin gets a little modicum of revenge by uh, taking out main event Jay. Yeah. Yeah, John Smith? Yeah. Uh, this is a coin flip to me because, I mean, either way, it's going to be, oh, Shinsuke's coming after Roman. He's going to try to get win the Royal Rumble. I think that's what it's – What's coming out of this match? I'll go, I'll go with Jay also, or with Jay instead of instead of uh, Vince just because of interference. I think I, I might have to have you play that back for me. Did you say you think Shinsuke Nakamura could win the Royal Rumble? No, no. Okay. I said that's what that's what's coming out of this match is Shinsuke saying I'm chasing after Roman now, and the only way I could do it okay. is by entering the Royal Rumble. Okay. I don't think. Win it. He'll he maybe he'll make the top four the last four, but I mean he's already won it recently, and there's no way they're giving him a second one already. Well, you know that's a great point because the one thing that they that makes a good Royal Rumble is when you don't necessarily know who's going to win, and if you build up multiple people, like we were talking about the storyline of Daniel Bryan never having won the Royal Rumble. Um, now you have Shinsuke Nakamura who's got a vendetta. You have multiple people that you can put your money down on. It makes for a more compelling Royal Rumble. So. All goodness there. Um, changing subjects a bit. Sonia Deville apparently is going to be uh, Adam Pierce's helper, and it's a good thing. Could time came, time couldn't have been any better because he's going to need some help as he's training for a Universal Title match now. Um, so, also on on SmackDown, we have two title matches, and I want to start with the Intercontinental Title match: uh, Biggie and Apollo Cruz, John Smith. Take away. You mean the two intercontinental matches? Some might say. Some might say. Some might say. Some that. might say, but not, but not officially on minutes2belltime.com. That's correct. We considered that one match a, a continuation. The match had to be restarted. Absolutely. Does the clock stop from the time the bell rang to the next bell, or do you keep the clock rolling? Minutes2belltime.com stopped the clock. I see. Okay. Good to know. Uh, yeah, so so Biggie and uh, Apollo Crews they had a nice you know few minute match and then they end up with a a suplex double pin combination type thing and they both get pinned at the same time. Referee calls it a draw. Apollo then challenges Biggie. Oh, this is how you want it to end, which we've been seeing a lot lately from like the Hurt Business a couple weeks ago. Yada yada. So he slaps Biggie across the face, and Biggie's like, "Oh, you want more of this?" And you know, a couple minutes later, hits him with the big ending and retains his title. But this probably isn't the last time you see this match. I think it might happen again at Royal Rumble. Yeah, it does feel like there's unfinished business there. I didn't watch Talking Smack, but I I understand that Paul Heyman gave uh, Mr. Cruz a talking to and let him know what he did wrong. Um, but maybe the maybe the the other big news coming out of SmackDown is we've got new tag team champions, John Smith. Finally. I mean, uh, Street Profits had those titles uh, for what were, since March. So 10 months. It defended them probably 12 times in 10 yep. months. Yeah. And, you know, they, they were more of a um, – of a sideshow than anything the past, for the past year, which is fine. But it was like they were holding those titles hostage. I want to see ta- tag teams gunning for those titles, and it's not like 
we have too many tag teams around. But, you know, now with the addition of R- Rude and Ziggler, which, you know, they were nothing was going on with their singles careers. So why not go ahead and team up? Because it's two awesome upper mid card guys that can that can go 20 minutes if they have to. And they could put on an awesome match, and they did with the Street Profits, and they totally deserve it. I I'm so happy that this happened. Are they um, Are they doing for Pink the same that Bret Hart did, or is this a? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so new tag champs, like you mentioned, ever you know the Street Profits had those belts since March. Um, not actually those belts; they did a trade. If everybody remembers after the. You know, whatever draft thing that WWE does. Um, I did want to mention also, since we talked about, you know, what counts as a match and what doesn't count as a match, that gauntlet match, to me, on minutes2belltime.com, that's a match, not a series of matches. Even though there was bell ringing in the middle, uh, in, in his history, there's not. And we call it a gauntlet match. So Adam Pierce gets a W, everybody else gets an L. Sorry, Shinsuke Nakamura. You're starting out 0-1, not 3-1. Poor guy. Yeah, I, you know, it's, you know, I have boundaries, you know, for minutes to bell time, so. <laughs> All right, let's roll into last night's Monday Night Raw. So, uh, John DeCani, the show opened up with Triple H and Randy Orton. Uh, they were arguing in the ring, and that's how the, the, the show ended. Break it down for us. Yes, indeed. Yeah, so Triple H starts the show. Randy interrupts him almost immediately uh, and wants to just be handed the WWE Championship. Triple H says, you want the championship? Win the Rumble. Randy said, well, if that's the way you're going to be about it, maybe I want to fight with you. Triple H says, no, that's not not my job here anymore. I I don't do much of that anymore. And then Randy makes the uh, inevitable, uh, you know, your balls are in Steph's purse jab, and Triple H punches him in the face, which Randy takes as an acceptance for their match, which would bookend the show in the main event spot. Uh, so we had Randy and Triple H uh, in, in a match that I was calling one more time for no good reason. And uh, <laughs> Triple H, uh, not too far into the match, goes for his signature sledgehammer. And uh, rolls himself back into the ring, standing in the corner, setting up for the big sledgehammer smash. And we get like the inkling that the fiend is about. And you know, half the lights go out, half the screens go out, and then all of a sudden, uh, magic happens, and the sledgehammer is set on fire. And then we get the full lights out. Now we know the fiend is somewhere around, or someone very close to the fiend. The lights come back up, Triple H is gone, and Alexa is behind Randy Orton. And she uh, does her best uh, Street Fighter impersonation and throws a fireball at him. And the show ends with Randy uh, gasping for air and, uh, you know, kind of wincing and mumbling in pain as uh, he's been blinded. Well, in the wake of WWE announcing that super spectacle show uh, for India, it makes sense that they would invoke the Indian character from Street Fighter at the end of Monday Night Raw. Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. Yoga fire. <laughs> That's right. Yoga uppercut. Um, so that I mean, I don't want to dwell too much time, spend too much time on this, 
But if your balls are as weighty as Triple H's, wouldn't you want Stephanie to carry them for you? Yeah, it's got to lighten <laughs> the load. I mean, it's back. think of all the bumps he's taken. Back doesn't need that extra weight. Correct. Okay. Like I said, let's not spend any time on that topic. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there might be something sharp in her purse. Oh, there you go. <laughs> a bobby pin or something. Mm. Uh, on the subject of, of ballsy things to do, uh, Lacey Evans defeated Charlotte Flair with outside interference from Ric Flair. Uh, Ric Flair grabbing the leg of Charlotte as she goes to suplex Lacey into the ring. And then they leave for the hotel. So uh, I, I don't know. I guess Rick is back to his old tricks. Um, but then, John Smith, we, we get into the Jackson, Riker, Jeff Hardy, Elias portion of the proceedings. Yeah, no, um, I mean, the, the first part of it, when it was Riker versus Hardy, didn't last too long because Elias interfered and Riker got the quick win in under a minute. But it was all set up Jeff Hardy challenging Elias, saying that he's afraid and, you know, the normal sports entertainment that we get. And so Elias reluctantly agrees. They have themselves a nice few minutes of a match, and then Hardy wins. And then Elias, for some reason, is upset that Riker didn't interfere, even though he told Riker not to interfere. Well, I mean, I mean, if if uh, Jackson Riker had gone through the Alpha Academy with Chad Cable, he would have known that you know it was he was you know, double speak there. So yeah, this is true. <laughs> um, Don't do what I say, do what I mean. That's right. That's right. And uh, John DeCani, that wasn't the only uh, double shot we had in the evening. As the very next segment. Seamus and Keith Lee, they fought The Miz and John Morrison. Uh, they would get the win, but that wasn't all for the night. It would not end there. Yes, uh, that, that that match uh, started off some interesting stuff. You had uh, uh, Lee and Seamus mostly uh, dominating the match. And uh, early on, we had uh, Keith Lee charge into the corner to deliver a shoulder block to John Morrison, and we had the turnbuckle explode. <laughs> And uh, we went to a commercial break, came back, uh, the ropes were all fixed, and uh, Lee uh, continued to destroy Miz and Morrison almost single-handedly. And then Sheamus would make the blind tag, come in, broke kick Morrison's head off, and uh, they would get the win. And as we went to commercial again, Keith Lee seemed moved. He was giggling, and they were, you know, not... You know, they weren't embracing or anything, but, you know, it seemed like he was like, okay, you know, you give me a little dirty there, but ha -ha, we got the win anyway. Come back out of the commercial, they're going at it. So we get ourselves another match. This one, uh, they beat each other inside and outside of the week. It got uh, rather physical with these two big hosses, as you uh, would assume it would. And uh, at one point, Sheamus went for an arm bar. Uh, Lee powered uh, it into a short power bomb, and then he would follow it up with his signature spirit bomb for the win. And then afterwards, you thought maybe they were going to go at it again, and Sheamus gives him a big hug. So, bro, Lee and Fireface, uh, they're back on the same page. I got two things in this. First and foremost, uh, Sheamus must be bipolar because 
when we left for commercial, he was happy and smiles. And when we came back full fire face, like, he's <laughs> like, like Keith Lee had insulted his mother and his wife in the same breath or something. Um, the second thing, just a production note, I thought it was really cool when they came back from commercial after the uh, John Morrison had been knocked into the turnbuckle, that they had the, the, the guy there still working on putting the turnbuckle back. Uh, I just, I thought that was kind of fun to see, but um, John Smith, do you think that turnbuckle spot was actually part of the show or was that just kind of a, uh, something fun that have a happy accident as you will yeah i think it was a happy and lucky accident because uh, i mean what if there was two big men trying to superplex off of that turnbuckle and it was loose you know you could have had something devastating happen um I'm, I'm assuming that it wasn't attached correctly just the way that they reacted it did not look that, that was that was genuine reactions like oh my god i can't believe this just happened so you know, of all the ways for it to, to come undone, that was the most entertaining and I guess the safest way it could have happened. But somebody's got to answer for why that happened in the first place. Not to us, but to Vince McMahon. I mean, I'm not one of those, you know, internet guys. But <laughs> <laughs> but just by the uh, the sheer nature of you being on an internet show makes you one of those internet guys. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. Um, Keith Lee's facial was amazing in that in the aftermath of that that man that moment and then you know the thing i thought about is that thing comes flying off the corner and down onto john morrison if that turnbuckle had just turned itself over and landed on his head we could, that could have been bad news because those things they're not plastic those are those are steel so yeah um the, the last match on raw i'm going to bring it up now just because of the way this sheamus sort of uh, line tag ending to the, the tag match with Miz and Morrison. We had the same thing happen in the last match. It was Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler facing Mandy Rose and Dane Brooks. Uh, Shayna tagged herself in, put on the Kirafuda clutch. Uh, we didn't get Shayna versus Nia afterwards, but we did get the same kind of dirty looks at each other. So uh, expect that to be something that pays off in the Royal Rumble or in next week on Raw or something like that. Uh, we're not we're not done with that situation. Um, also on Raw, we had uh, T-Bar, excuse the lack of creativity for coming up with a weird name for a member of Retribution, but he used the eyes wide shut to defeat Xavier Woods. Um, and then John Smith, the final double shot, which this is our triple double shot on Raw, uh, Bobby Lashley, Matt Riddle, MVP, series of matches towards the end of the show. Yeah, I mean, why do the same thing three times in one show? But for some reason, I didn't mind it. I, I think each time it furthered the stories, and I, I liked all the matches that came out of it. I mean, the the Lashley versus Riddle match was great because I feel like Lashley still needs to just dominate people, and he made Riddle tap out, and he held on to it this time to make sure – that the bell rang before he let go. So then you get Riddle doing what his partner Jeff Hardy in the in the Hardy Bros or the very hard bros or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> you, you, you get him doing the same thing, challenging MVP now, but MVP's wearing a, a suit. So what's he think is gonna happen? Bobby Lashley interferes in that match with a spear and he gets beat up and laid out in the middle of the ring to where the hurt business should be doing. I mean, last week they had a kind of a down week 
and they came right back and they're back on top. I don't remember if it was a week ago or two weeks ago, but in one of the last two Raws, Riddle and MVP had a match that lasted about 45 seconds with the floating bro for the win for uh, for Matt Riddle. Um, he wasn't so lucky, although he got the DQ victory. He wasn't so lucky on Raw uh, this week. Right. But uh, one other match on Raw, a total of nine matches. Uh, AJ Styles got a win over Drew Gulak. Gulak had wanted to get into the Royal Rumble, couldn't understand why he couldn't just declare himself for the match. Um, AJ said, well, I'm a multiple-time champion. So Pierce puts them in a match. Drew, if you if you can get a W here, you can be in the Royal Rumble. Um, I'll note that these guys were 1-1 one one in 2020. Last summer they had a short feud or just a couple of matches. Um, Drew got a win over AJ Styles. AJ Styles got a win over Drew. This was the payoff that we've been waiting all, all winter and fall for. Um, but AJ Styles got the win here, denying Drew Gulak entry into the Royal Rumble. So uh, best of luck, Drew, with your 24-7 champion pursuits. That puts a period on Raw. Guys, before we move out of WWE space, any other final thoughts on any of the Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK stuff from the past week? I think not I so think much. We, well, I think we did. I think we did WWE justice here, and now we're going to turn our attention to New Year's Smash. Um, and like we did before, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to bring up our overall standings from Pro Wrestling Pick'em, the Essential Wrestling Podcast pool. Um, much to my dismay, Al Carl has taken a lead over me in second place. Now I've dropped down to third. John DeCani still strong at the top. He went 16 and two last week. Uh, Al went 18 and 0. I also went 16 and two. John Smith 14 and four is a fine record. Um, all good. We have everybody got everybody got Hennings last week. Uh, Al Carl, of course, he implored that I at least put this graphic up. Of all the graphics, he wanted to make sure that this one, where he's clearly showing having a Genesis perfect prediction, New Year's Evil perfect, and New Year's Smash. There you go. He has six Hennings. At the end yeah, of the he show. Comes off, he comes off as a real nice guy, but he's a real D-hole sometimes. 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 I wouldn't want to face them in fantasy football. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't bring that up. <laughs> he was kind enough to give us words of encouragement before the show today. So, you know, thank you, sir. <laughs> okay, well, um, we're talking about New Year's Smash now. So um, here are our AEW standings. We are, uh, Al Carl is leading that race as well. He has 96 points. Uh, Tyler Adele's in second with 73. John Smith, third place, 67, but I'm tied with you. You just have a better win percentage. And John DeCani, sorry to say, you're way in the back, but only by two points. So let's, let's you know be fair to each other. Uh, here's the scoring. Five points for an AEW title match. Um, three points for all other title matches. One point for non-title matches. Interpromotional matches get two points and a perfect pay-per-view will get five points. Uh, before we start talking about 
our predictions for New Year's Smash this week, we do have to talk about the excellent show that we had last week. And to start off, we're going to talk about the AEW world title match, Kenny Omega, Ray Phoenix. It was a classic John DeCani. Yeah, it certainly was. This one gets all the stars. Uh, just uh, to go to, I mean, this was one of those slightly anticlimactic matches because we were all pretty sure Kenny Omega was not going to lose his title. But just let's just go through a little bit of Ray Phoenix's highlights. He hit a tope where he flew between the top and middle rope, managed to turn it into tumbling senton, sending Omega into the guardrail. Uh, he hit a, a middle rope, uh, middle turnbuckle moonsault into a snap German suplex that got him a two count. He took a V trigger right in the mush, nipped up, and delivered a super kick. Uh, he countered the first attempt at a one winged angel into a, a reverse Frankensteiner. He hit a slingshot diving cutter from outside in for a two count, uh, a knee lift into a thunder driver for two. And uh, he even managed to uh, tip his cap to Eddie Guerrero doing the shimmy before a, a frog splash that unfortunately he caught Kenny's knees on. And uh, that would eventually lead to Tiger Driver 98, V-Trigger, one-winged angel, and a three-count. And a retain by Kenny Omega. But that was not the end of the match, or the, not the end of the festivities, at least. Uh, Callus would come in afterwards on the mic. Flow to the Tron, where we saw backstage Kingston, Butcher, and the Blade attacking Act and Penta, letting Phoenix know he was not getting any help tonight. And then he urged Omega to finish Phoenix off. This led to Moxley coming out with a barbed wire bat and the Good Brothers making the save for Omega. Uh, Moxley would get a magic killer. Random folks started jumping, the, uh, trying to jump the ringside barriers and come in to help out. Uh, the Good Brothers and Omega pretty much held the ring. This would lead to the Young Bucks coming out and a moment of tension, but eventually a Bullet Club reunion that was entirely too sweet. <laughs> there was a little bit of a follow-up that, to that on Being the Elite, the Young Bucks' uh, YouTube show uh, yesterday, where the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks were taking photos together. And then there was a segment with just the Good Brothers and the Young Bucks talking, you know, backstage about, oh, well, you know, you probably saw my face. I wasn't really on board, but, you know, we eventually uh, got on the same page there. So I think that's a to-be-continued story for sure. Uh, the, the, uh, the rumors, the news, everybody you talk to says that the Good Brothers were highly recruited by AEW at the launch, but they ended up re-signing with WWE. So that was how things were supposed to start. Young Bucks, Good Brothers, Big Feud didn't get there, but yeah, circumstances would have it. We have an impact on an AEW partnership that could produce that match in the future. So uh, to be continued. Um, continuing with the Young Bucks, and they had the opening contest with tagging with SCU. They got a victory over TH2 and the Acclaimed after a best moonsault ever into the Meltzer driver. SCU would then go on to say, you know, we've got your backs unless we're in the ring together in, you know, a title match situation. Uh, so all good there. 
Also, another title match on the show was Sheeta defeating Abaddon to retain her women's uh, women's championship. And John Smith, one of the sleeper matches I think leading up to the show was Wardlow and Jake Hager. Yeah, we got ourselves some heel on heel action. You know how much I love that. Um, I mean, what could you say about this? I mean, the two hosses going against each other, you know, two big guys, but it was really one big guy and one much bigger guy. And Warlow played that powerhouse role to a T in the match, made Hager finally resort to going for submissions rather than than trying to, to just power up with them and go collar and elbow tie-ups and all that stuff. That wasn't working for him. Uh, Wardlow ended up hitting a, a swanton bomb at one point, which is pretty cool to see a big guy like him do. I'd like to see him keep his feet on the mat, though, especially with the, with, with the with his uh, you know the rest of his repertoire. He doesn't need to be jumping off the top rope at yeah. that size. But that I mean that's a very minor negative in, a mo- in an all positive match in my opinion. I was never a Jack Swagger fan back in the WWE days, and you know I could take or leave him here in AEW, but I really liked this match and the whole uh, pep talk that MJF gave him after the match. You know, it almost made it seem like they were coming together as a group a little bit. You know, I appreciated the uh, Jake Hager, you know. Listening to MJF, but then saying, you know, thanks, you're all right, now drag it. Because it kind of felt right on character for, for that uh, character that Hager is per- portraying right now. You know, it's um, so Travis said on the Daily Wrestling News show this morning, he thinks MJF is going to take over that group. I think we've all speculated about that at one point or mm-hmm. another. Uh, Jericho, maybe, maybe he's going to be a full time commentary, a commentator. I don't know. But uh, I think for sure, MJF has got his roots planted in that group now. Matt Hardy signed Private Party to a deal, um, some sort of contract. Uh, They brought the gin. Snoop brought the juice. Uh, You know, I guess uh, Matt Hardy is going to get some some portion of Private Party's payroll. But in return, Matt Hardy is supposed to be making Private Party champions. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, and John DeConi, Cody Rhodes had a match on this card in in uh, in an effort to promote Go Big Show. Wait, this this wasn't uh, a John Smith match. All right, I'll take this one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so to, and Cody got his theatrical entrance. There we go. I'm out. Cody got his over the top entrance, uh, complete with uh, Snoop Dogg in his corner and Snoop was even uh, smart enough to make sure he had an Anderson's Waffle House menu uh, just in case they needed to go to the, uh, the old play sheet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, you expect, uh, you know, Matt Seidel did not have the greatest of entries into AEW, but uh, putting that uh, initial move aside, you expect nothing but good stuff out of him. And these two had a, a really fun and entertaining match, but go figure it ends with a crossroads for the win. Uh, but once again, this is not where this segment ended, as uh, some incidental contact with Luther and Serpentico earlier in the match when they were around ringside led to Luther and Serpentico attacking Cody, uh, Seidel coming back to kind of help make the, stay, make the save, 
and it would all end up with, I guess, perhaps a tip of the cap to earlier in the evening when uh, Christopher Daniels did the best moonsault ever. We had Snoop Dogg going to the turnbuckle and uh, hitting what I've come to call the slowest splash ever. <laughs> so now, I think uh, the old big show got their money's worth. So, so let me ask you two guys to uh, to give me a, you know, who who did it better, Matt Seidel's debut in AEW or Snoop Dogg's debut in AEW? Who who had the better top rope maneuver? Well, I'm I'm gonna Snoop go with Snoop Dogg. I'm I'm going with Snoop Dogg. Snoop because, just by a hair. <laughs> yeah, well, Snoop because when you're that high, the effects of gravity don't have that much of an effect on you. So yeah. that's why he floated so slowly down onto the guy. <laughs> now, Seidel was just, you know, wreck yourself and leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he uh, misread Roman's, at the time, new merchandise. Yes. So. All right. So uh, we've already gone through the New Year's Smash standings and the perfect pay-per-views and the AEW standings and all that stuff. Now let's get down to picking our matches for uh, night two. Points are on the line here, guys. So as I bring up the elite in action, John Smith, I will start with you. Who do you have in the elite match? Oh, I've got in action winning this one. Not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it writes itself. You know, they're going to dominate and win. John DeCani, any thoughts on who they might face? Hey, you know, I was I was kind of racking my head to think of who that could be. Um, I, I wouldn't mind it being uh, uh, the acclaimed and so, you know, throw somebody else in there just to see the acclaimed get another beating for uh, their very uh, talented raps that they are uh, uh, focusing on the Young Bucks. So uh, not sure, but, uh, you yeah, know, that's just a uh, – out of nowhere, guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you are you are in the camp of the elite on this match. Most definitely. Yeah, yeah. And then of course, my graphic had the young bucks on there. There are some. There is some talk about Nick Jackson being injured from his match with SCU and uh, and the other guys in the the earlier part of the year smash. So may potentially get a sub out on Nick Jackson or the Bucks entirely. So we'll see what happens there, but. Another, another tag match on the card is going to be uh, FTR facing the team of Jurassic Express. And uh, Marco Stunt, although not featured in this picture, Marco Stunt would, uh, would, is subbing in for Luchasaurus in this after uh, Dash and Dawson, Dax and Cash, whatever their names are, um, kind of goaded him into the match. So uh, John DeCani, who do you have? Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, with FTR not only winning here but uh, perhaps uh, taking some liberties with uh, the little man, and that'll lead to what I, I think we all assume is uh, eventually coming, where Luchasaurus rejoins Jungle Boy, and we get to to run this one back. John Smith, what do you think about that? Yeah, their names are Cash and Cawson, the Crevival, actually. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> and, yeah. I got them winning easily. Maybe they'll have a, a nice like twelve minute match, but you know, 
I don't think they need to they need to cheat to win this one. Yeah, I, I'm going to pick FTR as well. As much as as much as I'd like to see little Marco have a good match, I think he'd be it, the better combination would be, be Marco and Luchasaurus versus FTR because then Luchasaurus could pick Marco up and throw him at, at FTR the whole match. I don't think we'll see that out of Jungle Boy. So, um, moving right along, I don't have a graphic for Chuck Taylor versus Miro, but that's a match that's going to be happening. Uh, and if Chuck Taylor loses, he will be Miro's young boy until uh, the wedding. And John Smith, I explained to you what a young boy was last week on the Daily Wrestling News Show. Uh, who do you have in the Chuck Taylor and Miro match? Uh, this says Miro written all over it. This, this is going to be a long-term um storyline so yeah you gotta go with miro john's uh john the yeah if, if they even think about robbing me of the uh humor of seeing miro treat uh chuck as his young boy i'll never forgive him so give me miro and do you have any thoughts about what task chuck taylor will get first Ooh. oh god only no maybe get some more hair dye for miro i think the blonde he's losing some of the blonde so Fair enough. I, I also don't have a graphic for the NWA Women's Championship match, but we have Serena Deeb defending against Tay Conti. Uh, John DeConte, going back to you, what do you think about this match? Does Tay Conti have a chance at winning the, cha the World Women's Championship? Oh, I, that would really be exciting, uh, but I, I think she's, she's too – to, uh, she, she's just coming along in her development. I mean, she's she's making uh, great strides. I really enjoy watching her. She will have uh, the Dark Order backing her up, but I think uh, Serena Deeb is just too good, and uh, she will retain. John Smith? I'm actually going to go the other way with this one because the Dark Order is on her side. Um, I don't. Maybe she's not going to ask for the help, but I think she'll get it, and I think she'll win it. And maybe maybe give it right back a, a couple of weeks later, because then WA isn't going to want their title to be in AEW for too long on somebody that's not contracted with them. But I think that it would be interesting, especially with the uh, you know the couple of um, backstage vignettes that that I've seen from from the ladies. You know, I, I think this is the way they should go. So I think that's what they're going to do. Now, interestingly enough, uh, Serena Deeb is not under contract with NWA. She's under contract with AEW. I believe when this is all said and done, that title goes back to Rosa, Thunder Rosa. But, um, but for now, yeah, uh, I, I, can see your, I can see your point that maybe with the Dark Order support, uh, Tay Conti could get the win here, that Bell could bounce around a little bit. But I'm going to pick Serena Deeb on this. I think, I think she's going to hold on to that title. Um, but John Smith, you get first dibs on picking Pac versus Eddie Kingston, and this is not a match that's easy to call, I don't think. That's really hard. Um, I just love that this match is happening more than anything. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, – I got to go with Pac. Pac, whatever. Pac-Man. Are we going to see a lot of interference from uh, Lucha Bros and uh, and Butcher and Blade? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll see uh, everybody. My best friend and the, the Ice Cream Man, and we'll get it all. <laughs> John Bacani. 
yeah, I think this one could have a lot of mayhem at ringside. And uh, like John Smith said, this is really a coin flip. But uh, I think uh, Eddie Kingston is so bulletproof because he's so darn good on the mic. And he spends half of his time as more of a manager than an in-ring performer. So I think Pac takes this one. Yeah, I'm going to take uh, Pac also for maybe a different reason. I think that uh, Pac is getting ready for Omega. And so I think that they're going to, you know, give Pac the win. Eddie Kingston kind of just had his pair of title champion title matches. So I think continue to build Pac and ready get ready for that big Pac and Omega match which we know will steal whatever show it's on. So, okay, we have a couple of other things on the show. We have Cody Rhodes, who will be in Britt Baker's waiting room. As you can see, he's featured here with his black hair because I don't have a picture of him with his natural color. <laughs> um, and then- can you, can you put a picture of him unemployed next time, please? I can, I can always pull this one up. <laughs> uh, additionally we have the inner circle making their new year's resolutions and i'll just kind of go open forum here guys does anybody have any thoughts on who on what they might have uh, in store for us this year what their goals are i'm thinking mjf is going to say world championship yeah i think uh I think they're probably going to talk about uh, bringing a lot of gold into the fold. Uh, I'd love to see uh, Santana and Ortiz legitimately get into the unbelievable tag team hunt that exists here in AEW. Uh, and uh, you know, someone like uh, Sammy would look uh, great chasing that TNT title. So I think they're going to have a lot of uh, inspirations that involve gold and plaque. Does the Undisputed Area make a golden prophecy? believe that is exactly where I was going, sir. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, we have one more match for New Year's Smash, and it is it is a, another cha it is a championship match. We have been waiting and waiting and waiting for a long time to see Darby Allen defend that championship, and his first opponent outweighs him by 100 pounds, John Smith. If he didn't have the FTW championship on him already, I would I would like his chances more in here. But I I think Darby Allen comes away with the belt one way or another, whether it's a DQ victory or whatever. But I'm going with Darby Allen. Yeah, uh, John DeCani, is there is there a possibility that Darby Allen loses the championship in his first defense? I really don't see that. The only thing that worries me is with points on the line, there could wind up being a DQ uh, where, you know, technically Cage wins because Sting had to get involved and he hit Cage with a bat or something like that. But uh, I think this all leads to some kind of big uh, six-man tag or something involving uh, maybe even Taz himself getting back in the ring as we saw him uh, lay hands uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh it gives you know Sting a chance to get in the ring without having to do any of the heavy, heavy lifting. Uh, but I think in the end, uh, no matter what, I think Darby leaves with his title intact. Yeah, I think so too. I, I you know I got Darby winning the match. Um, but to your point, I'm hoping we're leading to a big cinematic Sting North of the Wall Game of Thrones style match with Taz. Um, 
you know, at, at Revolution, maybe. So, Winter is coming part two. That's right. That's right. So, um, while Al is absent from us today, he did mail in his predictions, and I have them here. Um, you can see that looks like he's put on a little bit of muscle for these predictions, but he has picked Darby Allen, the Elite Pac, FTR, Serena Deep, and Miro. Um, it appears that he played it safe. Let's just call it what it is. Played it safe. <laughs> All right. Um, that covers uh, New Year's Smash. I do have uh, this graphic here that runs down the entire entirety of the night. So uh, there you have it. Uh, we are going to be turning things over to the world of Impact Wrestling now. We have three shows to talk about. One recap, the go-home show for Hard to Kill, and Hard to Kill itself. So uh, let's go ahead and we'll start off with, uh, with Genesis. We'll start with the main event. It was Willie Mack uh, versus Moose, John Smith. Oh, wow, what a match that was. I mean, the... This is this was old school ECW right here. Um, it's, I haven't seen. I've always seen guys try to do it. You know, throw out the thumbtacks. You know, here's the barbed wire bat. There's this. There's that. But they're always, you know, just it's it's never it never, never has that ECW feel. And this felt like ECW the whole time. I don't know. Maybe it's just because Willie Mack is just so crazy. I don't know, but uh, I mean, the spot where he threw Will, where Moose threw Willie Mack off the top rope, off the apron, through the table, and Mack's head hit the hit the entrance ramp. That was that was not safe. That was unsafe. Yeah. It was <laughs> unbelievable, and you know all the all the different crazy things they did in the match, blood, what have you, and then all of a sudden, who comes out is Rich Swan. To tell to stop Moose from ending Willie Mack's career by giving him an opportunity at the world title that Moose has wanted for so long. So Moose in Al, I was sitting next to Al when this happened. I could not believe my eyes. Al was jumping up and down in joy that he picked Willie Mack to win an I quit match against Moose, and he and somehow it happened. I couldn't believe that William that that Moose quit because of that, but I mean, something had to happen like that, I guess, between these two guys. I just thought it was going to go on the other side. I think we all need to raise our glasses to Moose for having such good manners. He at least said thank you. I quit. Right. <laughs> Cheers <laughs> to that. Also, on the undercard of that show, we had uh, Jordan Grace getting a win over Jazz. It was a roll-up, just a you know basic win. Um, Feel-good moment, I guess, because Jazz didn't take the uh, Jordan Grace's finisher. She was able to stand right up and get hugged before we, uh, we continued on with the, the proceedings of the evening. But John DeCani, the thing that was sort of this whole, sh whole show was built around was the Super X Cup. And you have done a great job of breaking down the gauntlet match earlier in the night. So we thought, let's throw another challenge at you. Why don't you break down a tournament for us now? There you go. All right. Well, the, the show kicked off with uh, Ace Austin and Suicide. And, uh, you know, not not 
not too much going on. You know, Ace Austin won with the fold, uh, moved on, as I believe all of us uh, had uh, uh, foreseen. Uh, Suicide, of course, you know, ne never really puts on a bad match either, regardless of who's under there. Uh, but uh, Austin moves into round two. Uh, the second match of the evening uh, were the two unknowns, at least to most of us. Uh, it was Blake Christian and Casey Navarro. Uh, they got some uh, they got some FaceTime ahead of time to talk about themselves, their gimmick, etc. cetera. Uh, in the end, it was Blake Christian uh, defeating Casey Navarro with a twisting uh, top turnbuckle splash. Moving on to round two. Uh, in the third preliminary round match, we had Cousin Jake and Davari. Uh, they, of course, got uh, some uh, promo time ahead as well. Uh, Cousin Jake used a swinging side slam uh, to get the one, two, three on Davari and put himself through the second round. And in that final opening round match, we have uh, Crazy Steve against another of the uh, relatively unknowns, at least to mere mortals like myself, uh, Mr. Trey Lamar. And uh, Crazy Steve won with his... <clears throat> Excuse me, his uh, jumping uh, DDT from the second uh, turnbuckle, uh, much like we saw him win the uh, the four-way match uh, the, on the previous impact. Moving into the second round, we had uh, Ace Austin defeating Cousin Jake uh, once again with the fold. Uh, we had a little uh, bit of a standoff between uh, Cousin Jake and Madman Fulton. Uh, perhaps that's something we'll revisit down the line after Cousin Jake uh, finishes uh, dealing with his cousin Cody. Uh, and in the second uh, uh, X Cup, excuse me, uh, the second second round match, we had uh, Blake Christian pulling uh, seemingly the upset by taking out Crazy Steve with a 450 splash uh, while Crazy Steve was uh, draped across the top rope trying to make his way back in. Uh, another impressive move, uh, uh Christian making a uh, uh, definitely putting his best foot forward, making a little bit of a name for himself here. And then we got to the finals, uh, Ace Austin versus Blake Christian. And uh, these two put on a heck of a match. Wasn't incredibly long, but uh, uh, you, know, you got to see uh, more of Christian. You got to see him uh, really, you know, show what he can do. Uh, but in the end, uh, the inevitable Ace Austin wins with the hold and raises the Super X Cup. Yeah, and he joins the list of Super X Cup tournament winners, uh, along with Desmond Xavier, Samoa Joe, and Chris Saban. So he's in good company. Uh, look at that, Chris Saban, 2003. 14 years ago, he was a Super X Cup winner, and this weekend he'll be main eventing hard to kill. So... Um, good on you, Chris Saban. And, of course, Ace Austin for winning the tournament we just spoke about. Um, okay, so like I mentioned, we have Impact this week. We have a five-match or a four-match show on Access that's going to be kicking off here in about 35 minutes. Uh, so let's hurry up and get our picks in for that before, you know, it's too late. Um, first and foremost, we have Taya Valkyrie going against Kimber Lee, John Smith. Who do you like in that match? No points on the line here. I, I like uh, Valkyrie to win this one. Yeah, it's probably the setup for her title match this weekend. Uh, John DeConi, any any tomfoolery here that where Kimber Lee gets the win? 
I wouldn't think so. I'm going to go with Ty as well. Okay. Um, outdated graphic a bit nowadays, but we do have Cody Deaner facing Tommy Dreamer on tonight's Impact. Um, John DeConnie, we'll start with you this time. Uh, give me a new look, Cody Deaner. Uh, Tommy, you know, almost never wins a match, and uh, you've got that new click with uh, Deaner, Doring, and EY, so uh, let, let's keep them rolling now. John Smith? Yeah, same here. Just a sidebar. I went, I was doing some research on Cody Deaner. Apparently, he's like a motivational speaker for children as well. So um, look past the hard exterior uh, that he now has with Eric Young and Joe Doring. There's a really nice guy underneath all that. Um, but let's not dwell on that. Let's talk about Tennille Dashwood and Rosemary. John Smith, we'll start with you. I got Tennille Dashwood winning simply because of Caleb with a K. Uh, John DeConnie, will, will Taya Valkyrie come to the assistance of Rosemary? Uh, I, I wouldn't think so in this one. I think I. I'm assuming, you know, that last week we had Tennille trying to convince Rosemary that Ty is going to drop her. So this would, I guess, help her make that point if Ty show up to help her out. I'm assuming that's going. Not that I know why Tennille feels she needs a tag team partner now that she's out of the tournament, but I, I assume that's where we're headed. Well, I suppose the, well, the tournament's over and the championship titles will persist. So I guess Tennille would like to be in that hunt, but... Um, Kenny Omega and Don Callis are both going to be in the Impact Zone uh, for tonight's Impact episode of Impact Wrestling. So that can't spell good things for Mr. Rich Swan, who has a match with the Machine Gun, which is in the, presumably in the main event. Uh, John DeCani, as the senior Impact correspondent, will have you pick tonight's tonight's uh, main event first. Now, I, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't. Uh, I didn't double check today to see if uh, it had been changed. This is a. Uh, all of their buddies are banned from ringside. Uh, if I remember correctly from last week. That is true. That is true. Yep. Okay. So yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say that. Uh, you know, I, at the at the worst, I see Carl Anderson getting frustrated. I, I don't think they're gonna make the uh, Impact World Champion uh, count the lights. Heading up to a pay-per-view, so uh, you know maybe last-ditch effort. Carl Anderson decides he can't get the one, two, three, and kicks him in the jimmy or something and gets DQ'd. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John Smith. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a way that or who could help Carl Anderson win this match. That's not one of his buddies, but I can't think of anything, so I got to go with Rich Swan. No points on the line. I'm going to go with Carl. If worst comes to worst, it sets up a title match, you know, if he wins. So so I will go uh, Carl Anderson here, uh, particularly since there's no points on the line. But on the subject of points, we do have hard to kill this weekend. I want to bring up our impact standings. Oh, my God, El Carl at the top of another list. Who is this guy? Uh, 96 points. He's just edging out the uh, our impact Correspondent John DeCani. I'm back there with 89 points. John Smith, 72. Tyler Dell, barely on the map, but he does have a 500 record, so that's pretty good. Um, our scoring for 
hard to kill will be five points for an impact title match slash main event, which is going to be the six man tag. Uh, three points for all other title matches, one point for non title matches, two points for interpromotional matches, which we don't have. Well, we do have one. Um, you'll have to, we'll have to discuss with Al Carl how the point, the point system will work on that main event because um, I guess it's going to be a 10-point match. Um, perfect pay-per-view gets plus 5 points, which I believe will be plus 10 if that main event is worth 10 points. Uh, we start our proceedings here with the, the uh, reinstated knockouts tag team championship match. Havoc and Nevaeh versus Tasha Steeles and Kiera Hogan. It's the finals. We've been waiting all this time. These are the teams that we thought would be there. They're there now. John, Takani, who do you have? Okay. Uh, with all the talk by uh, Josh Matthews about how much he was behind Hogan and Steeles, uh, you know, I, I like when one of these tournaments shakes out and something happens that you don't see coming. So I'm going to go with Havoc and Nevaeh here. Uh, just, I, just, I just love watching Havoc work. When she powerbombed uh, Jordan Grace in that uh, semifinal match, uh, the physicality of this woman is just fantastic. So I'm going to say uh, Havoc and Nevaeh. Uh, eventually, we all know Hogan and Steeles will get those belts and maybe have a nice long run. But I think just to give us something we don't expect, give me Havoc and Nevaeh taking the initial title. John Smith, uh, agree or disagree? Disagree. I think, well, I mean, personally, I would go with uh, John DeCani's opinion over mine and impact, especially considering my track record compared to his. But I just, uh, uh, Kira and Tasha have been my picks since the beginning of the tournament, and I'm not going to go against them now. And uh, I just want to be right more than anything. <laughs> This is like you guys are right. This is probably one of the harder matches to call. Um, both Nevaeh and Tasha Steeles came into Impact earlier this year about the same time, so there's not like one team is more established than the other. I think I'm going to go with Havoc and Nevaeh um, for no other reason than John DeCani has got a good record picking matches. So <laughs> oh, God, don't let that be your guide. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was a cop out. In, in all seriousness, no, though, I think that they're the bigger team, and I think uh, Kiera Hogan and Tasha Steeles will be a lot more fun chasing the belts than they will be as champions. Um, so that's my reasoning. Uh, we have a six-man uh, match. It is not the main event. First, we have a six-man tag match between uh, Eric Young, Cody Diener, and Joe Doring versus the team of Tommy Dreamer, Cousin Jake, and Rhino. Uh, that'll probably be one of the earlier matches on the card. Uh, John Smith, I'll go with you first. Who do you think takes this match, uh, the six-man tag? Um, I got Eric Young's team winning just because they're the, the, they're the hot new thing, and it's not just a mashup of three guys, you know? Fair point. John DeConi? Yeah, I absolutely agree with uh, what Smith said. Uh, you know, they, they've done a, they've caused a lot of mayhem, but they haven't had but I believe one match. So uh, let them get some wins under their belt before somebody tries to uh, give them their comeuppance. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. I don't see a scenario where um, 
where the other team wins. In fact, I think, you know, Dreamer probably added to the match to take the pin. So um, we have, uh, and it's a shame Al Carl is not here to talk about this, but the X Division Championship Triple Threat Match, our champion Manic uh, defends against Chris Bay and Rohit Raju. Uh, John DeCani, who do you think comes through with the X Division Championship? Uh, Manic wasn't available to have his picture drawn, so we just put up TJPs in the in the graphic just for uh, for sake of them, you know, not being friends, and, and thought I'd have to add somebody in there. I mean, you know, those two are like oil and water. I don't know what would make you do that, but anyway, <laughs> uh, this one is definitely, you know, I, I had a little hesitation on the knockouts uh, tag titles, but this is definitely the hardest one on the card for me to pick. I'm gonna go with. Bay, perhaps, uh, pay, perhaps we get a, a revisiting of the way Rohit kind of screwed him over, weaseling his way into the three match to eventually take the title. Maybe this is the receipt. He gets a little payback here. But really, I could any of the three ways this goes, I would not be the least bit surprised. Give me Chris Bay. John Smith, what do you think? Uh my, I mean, my first thought was Manic, so it's probably wrong. So I'm going to go with um, – I'll go with Rohit. I'm going with Rohit. Rohit had a pretty long title reign. Um, I think he went four, four months or so. That's pretty good. Um, Chris Bays was kind of on the shorter end, I, I believe, only one, one month or so, uh, maybe two. I'm going to go with Chris Bay in this match. I – Reason being is I don't think TJP Janik retains. Um, I think they're going to move him on because I don't. I don't think they're focusing on him very much. Rohit, I don't think they're ready to dial that back right yet. And Chris Bay, he's getting all the push in the world. And I think Chris Bay versus Ace Austin in the very near future is a, a match that we are probably going to be seeing. Um, which, in the context of me just. Laying that all out, I think I'd really like to see Manic versus Ace Austin too. So, but I'll stick with Chris Bay. Okay, Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan in a barbed wire massacre match next. John Smith, start with you. Um, barbed wire massacre seems like a pretty violent thing to be getting into. Uh, but you called the I quit. You you had the I quit match earlier. I'll have you uh, pick our barbed wire massacre match first. Um, I I'd love to know what exactly the barbed wire massacre is. I'm I'm assuming maybe like all the ropes are wrapped in barbed wire, and there's various items wrapped in barbed wire plus spools of barbed like like lone barbed wire. I, who knows? But this seems like it's going to be, at least for a while, the end of their feud, and I think the face needs to come out on top, so I'm going with Eddie Edwards. Okay. John DeCani? Yeah, uh, I, I agree 100% with the, the last part of what uh, John Smith said, that I believe Eddie Edwards uh, needs to come out on top of this one. It's just driving me nuts trying to figure out how, you know, who comes to Eddie's side, and uh, who keeps Ken Shamrock out of this. Uh, maybe uh, Alicia Edwards uh, shows up with a can of mace. Uh, I don't know, but give me Eddie Edwards. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and pick Sammy Callahan. The reason is we have a face champion and we need some heel contenders. So, you know, I know they've had matches before, but I'm going back with, with Sammy Callahan in this match. 
Okay, uh, we're getting towards the end of Hard to Kill show, but um, we have uh, probably the the uh, the Knockouts Championship is one of our the, the final championship that's on the line, and we have Taya Valkyrie, whose contract status is a mystery to everyone, facing Diana Perazzo. Uh, John DeCani, starting with you. All right, I'm just glad to see Taya back in the arena. You know, she's done a, a whole lot of extracurricular work this year. Uh, I can't wait to see these two go at it. Uh, I'm going to go with the Jersey girl. Give me Deanna retaining, uh, I guess, mostly for the fact that we really don't know what Taya's future is. And this would be a, a heck of a line to add to uh, Deanna's resume. I totally agree. John Smith? Yeah, I agree as well. You can't end Deanna's second run as quickly as you ended her first run. Yeah, yeah. Main event time on that show. We have a six-man tag match uh, between Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. They're facing Rich Swan and the Motor City Machine Gun. This is an interpromotional six-man tag team match. Our AEW World Champion teams with our Impact Tag Team Champions against our Impact World Champion and the former Tag Team Champions. Uh, John Smith, I'm going to go straight to you with this. Who do you think wins the interpromotional six-man tag? Uh, I think this one's the easiest one to pick on the card, and it's the Bullet Club. John DeConi? Absolutely agree. Megan the Good Brothers. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think Omega, I, the the thought of Omega crossing a promotion and losing a match is pretty slim in my mind. But uh, so I guess we're, we're universal on that one. Now, earlier we were talking about uh, that X Division championship match being hard to call. And then it was hard to call. But there's another match on this card that I've saved to the end because I think it's uh, it's very interesting, very fun. We have Ethan Page facing off against a man he looks an awful lot like. That is the Karate Man. <laughs> so, so, uh, is that a Ninja Turtle headband? Uh, it was whatever the Google machine gave me. <laughs> no, it looks like it's actually cropped off of a Ninja Turtle. I love it. <laughs> so there you have uh, both of them, 0-0 for this year so far. They don't haven't had a match yet. Uh Let's see. Who wants to go first? Who wants to take a stab at this? I'll, I'll leave it up to you to you guys to decide. I'll go. <laughs> uh, I, I know that uh, regardless of who wins this, I will be entertained. And quite frankly, I would, I would leave it blank on the EWP and sacrifice the point just to make sure I got the entertainment value. But since we're making picks... Give me Ethan Page learning a lesson from the Karate Man, but eventually using that lesson to take the victory. Ah, so you pick Ethan Page. Okay. John Smith? Um, does this count towards the pool? It sure does. One point. Uh, then I'm going to go with Karate <laughs> Man. <laughs> it's crazy how I needed that information before I made my pick. It's <laughs> I think that we're going to get a lot more of this because everybody's going to like it so much. I think Ethan Page is a genius with this stuff, and you know the Karate Man is going to take it home. It's going to be a, a cinematic match, of course. So I, I'm just really looking forward to it. But I'm why do you say that? <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, I, I'm going to pick the Karate Man in the sense that I think this is going to be uh, Ethan Page, uh, as we've talked about so many times, John DeCani, losing on his way out of the territory. <laughs> good call on your good call. So uh, let's uh, let's give Al his uh, his time to share with us his picks and see how much he differed from us. Uh, he has also picked the Karate Man. Uh, he also picked EY Doring and Cody Diener. Steels and Hogan. So he's with you, John Smith. Uh, he's picked Manic to to retain Eddie Edwards. So I guess I'm the only person picking uh, picking Sammy Callahan, Deanna Perazzo, and Bullet Club. I think we all agreed on those. Uh, and once again, showing off his physique in this picture is Mr. Al Carl. He is uh, <laughs> heading back to, uh, I know I said in the beginning of the show that he was working on ice sculptures, but perhaps he's doing that at Swingtown, USA. Okay. Before Solid pigs, Daddy. <laughs> before we uh, jump into Al's, uh, Al's pick for uh, uh, wrestle, his, his top WrestleMania moments here, some New Japan MLW Ring of Honor notes. New Japan dropped their schedule for basically now through February 10th uh, and 11th this morning. So there's no matches coming up this week. We have sort of a house show on Sunday, but the first, the next big show is going to be January 23rd. It's it's still kind of a minor show, but there is a title match. We'll talk about all that next week. Uh, Ring of Honor, their television show this past week was a best of 2020 show. So nothing really to discuss there. On the MLW side of the house, they've got a show tomorrow starting at 7 on YouTube for nothing. Uh, and Lima De La Renta will be, be the executive producer of that show. She is debuting Mil Luartes. Loki will be in action. Uh, Ross and Marshall Von Erich will be defending the MLW Tag Team Championships against the Von, uh, Los Parks. So uh, that's what's on the docket this week for MLW. Um, kind of summed up my segment kind of fast this week. I always said I could do it on fast forward, but uh, let's move on to Al Carl's WrestleMania match. Uh, I don't, let's see, we are on number 12 and it is Owen Hart versus Triple H from WrestleMania 14. We had Sergeant Slaughter in China on the outside. Sarge put China in the cuffs to try to prevent her from getting involved. Uh, didn't work. China did eventually get involved uh, with a low blow to Owen Hart for uh, for give Triple H the, the pinfall victory. We actually watched this match right before we went on the air air tonight. Uh, John Dakani, John Smith, any thoughts on the on this WrestleMania 14 match? I think it might have been the first time you guys have seen it. Yeah, it was uh, it was the first time I've seen it. Only because that's. A time period of my life where I wasn't watching wrestling for a, about a year and a half. I watched 13, I watched 15, but I didn't see 14. So I was always a big Owen Hart fan. And I, I know I say Andre the Giant's my favorite of all time, but I didn't really live through much of his career. Triple H has been my actual favorite ever since he was the, the Connecticut Blue Blood. So seeing this match, you know, it was it was classic old older school Triple H. You know, it was DX, but he still had a lot of his, you know, blue blood to him still. He had the, the braid in the back of his hair. And, you know, it was, it was nice seeing Owen again. I haven't watched an Owen match in a while. So, you know, all around, very happy watching it with you guys. Yeah. It was the uh, it was coming off of the Montreal Screwjob. So this match was been March of 1998. 
um, in the Montreal Screwdrop was November of 1997. So all of the hearts departed WWE except for Owen. Uh, Owen made his return trying to get his revenge on, on DX, which is what set up this European title match at WrestleMania 14. Uh, it was a technically sound match, great match, what you'd expect from Owen Hart and uh, Triple H of this era, like you said, John Smith. Um, it's a fine pick for number 12 on his list. It was not one that was on my radar, so uh, well played, Mr. Carl. Well played. Okay, um, before we – let's see. We have a couple of things to, to talk about before we get out of here. Uh, we do still have the – uh, the Jim the Anvil Nightheart giveaway. If you'd like to win this Jim the Anvil Nightheart autograph picture courtesy of Sideline Sports and Memorabilia, all you have to do is go to this video on YouTube, hit subscribe button, RKO, RKO the notification bell, and make a comment on this video with the hashtag EWPAnvil. We'll be announcing the winner when we get to 200 subscribers, so make sure you stay tuned for when we're announcing the winner. Primetime Rundown, powered by StreamYard, with Joey Jarzenka, Ian Schreier, and Rob DeLuca is airing Fridays at 6 p.m. Make sure you check that out this week. And then for our college sports fans and for those pursuing a career in collegiate athletics, this interview may be for you. Join Ian Schreier on Monday, January 25th at 8 p.m. when he welcomes COSIDA President Sam Atkinson to the show for more information, follow the Eastern Observer on social media or log on to theeasternobserver.com. I do a show Monday through Thursday. It's called the Daily Wrestling News Show. John Smith, John DeCani, and Al Carl and Travis, who chimed in earlier in the show, they all come on to co-host with me. It's a great time. We'll be back tomorrow with special guest Jeff Johnson making his debut. Uh, so stop by that show to get your news little bit of recap, review the occasional interview, but we always end the show with trivia. Uh, so it's a good it's a good time. Uh, the Black Cats, hey, they've still got an album out there that you can go listen to anywhere you listen to music. Who doesn't like Free Cake? That's the name of their album. Uh, and then, of course, join us next week for episode 37. We will have out-sprinted WrestleMania numbers. So I don't even know what we're going to say next week to open the show, but uh, episode 37 next week at 6 p.m. Go on to ProWrestlingPick'em.com. Make your picks for all the week's matches, especially Hard to Kill this weekend and New Year Smash tomorrow night. Uh, before we get out of here, I want to update everybody on the Men and Women's Royal Rumble. We have, we have uh, five people declared for the Men's Royal Rumble. Daniel Bryan, Bobby Lashley, AJ Styles, Randy Orton, and Otis. Things are shaping up. And we also have, on the women's side, we've got six people. As of last night, Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke adding their names to the hat. They they also joined Nia Jax, Charlotte Flair, Bianca Belair, and Bailey. And if you'd like to get the full scoop, once we know all the information on the Royal Rumble, join us on Sunday or Saturday, January 30th at 3 p.m. We are going to be do, doing our quarterly special uh to talk and break down the royal rumble it's all things royal rumble you can see there a picture of rick flair from royal rumble 1992 where he won with a tear in his eye we'll be going through all our our fun royal rumble memories and breaking down of course the royal rumble 2021 
which will be happening the next day, January 31st. Okay. I think we've done the week wrestling justice, John Smith and John DeCani and King Kong Bundy uh, for Gary Mahaffey, for King Kong Bundy, for John Smith, John DeCani, take us home. Uh, last, uh, but certainly not least, I just want to tip my hockey cap once again to Al Carl for sticking with his WWE super fan gimmick. At the beginning of the show, he always uh, finds a way to tie in that numbers WrestleMania and a secondary tagline to this year's WrestleMania, and uh, they had the T-shirts to prove it, was WrestleMania 36, uh, Tampa, Florida. I wasn't there. So good job, Al, for sticking to your gimmick, even on the EWP. Thanks for joining us, folks. (laughs) Thanks for joining us, and as always, we wish you the best in all your future endeavors.